Talkers. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, episode 49. Speak and Destroy is a podcast about Metallica, and I am your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is Keith Wallen of Breaking Benjamin. In addition to playing guitar for the multi-platinum band, Keith is also a former member of Adelita's Way, an accomplished solo artist, and has co-written songs with Saint Asonia, Red, Fuel, and Saving Able. If you're enjoying Speak and Destroy, the best thing you can do to support the podcast right now is to go into Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and write a nice review and leave a five-star rating. I know every podcast asks you to do that, and that's because it really does help in terms of visibility and people discovering what we're doing. Check out past episodes with guests including M. Shadows of Avenged Sevenfold, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm, Jamie Josta of Hatebreed, Gary Holt of Exodus and Slayer, David Elveson of Megadeth, and many more. Speaking Destroy is part of the Pop Curse Podcast Network. If you're so inclined, I would also like you to check out No Prize from God, which features conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything between. Episodes of the No Prize from God podcast feature guests from bands like Wasp, Memphis Mayfire, Demon Hunter, Killswitch Engage, Emperor, Satyricon, Integrity, as well as authors, playwrights, preachers, and various other folks with interesting points of view and experience in the realm of life's big questions. Be sure to follow Speak and Destroy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. So here it is, my conversation with Keith Wallen of Breaking Benjamin. This is Speak and Destroy. bit about your first musical discoveries and and what that turning point was where you realized oh this is something i need to participate in somehow i want to be part of this well when i was in elementary school uh i had a music class i want to say i was like seven or something like that and uh you know we all do the little sing-alongs and in class and after the class the music teacher came up to me. She's like, Hey, you, you sound pretty good singing. You know, you want to, you want to be in this, um, you know, Christmas program. And I was like, okay, you know, little did I know that I'd be dressed up like a Christmas tree and all that jazz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I guess that was the first kind of first time where I was like, Hey, maybe I can sing it, sing a tune. But, uh, my dad always, he was a singer back in the sixties, back old school and he was kind of into the crooner kind of thing and uh had a record deal you know nothing too crazy but you know made a couple couple uh songs on a record and that was his dream and uh, i guess i got a little bit of that from him and so that was the first time other than that i guess growing up you know i didn't you know when i was in elementary school junior high all that i didn't really think of about music as a career or anything like that until I learned how to play guitar and the band that really got me into guitar was Metallica. I remember my brother got me the black album for Christmas one year and I loved it. 
and I, I was like, man, I got to learn how to play some of this stuff. And my, my friend played guitar before me and he showed me how to play a couple chords and I just kind of took it and ran with it. <clears throat> Do you remember, uh, what some of the first Metallica riffs were that you learned? Definitely fade to black. The intro unforgiven you know, inner Sandman. Inner Sandman is brilliant because it's, it's basically one riff for the entire song. <laughs> yeah. Pretty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which coming, uh, coming off of Van Justice for all was a pretty amazing feat. Absolutely. And Gosh, what was the other one? Uh, sanitarium. That one. That was always a go-to. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Without even knowing you had posted this when we, because I've had you on the Speak and Destroy podcast wish list for quite some time. I saw just a week ago you posted it was the anniversary of your first Metallica show in 1998. Yes, yes, uh, that was pretty unforgettable. And I mean, I was 18 at that time. I guess I'm showing my age here. Um, and I just hadn't really got out to really see a concert, but they were my favorite band at the time. And I really liked, obviously, I liked Jerry Cantrell and Allison Chains, and I was into Days of the New as well. So when all of them were on the lineup, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta see this. So me and a couple, a couple of my best friends, we drove to Cincinnati from West Virginia, where where I was living at the time, and. It was amazing. It was great. I'll never forget it. Wow. And that was your first concert in general, not just your first Metallica concert? Yep. First first real concert that I went to where I, you know, paid and got a ticket and went. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember that tour very well. It's funny, by the way, you said you liked Jerry Cantrell and Alice in Chains and Days of the New, and I, I kind of think, well... I mean, if if you like Days of the New, you better like Alice in Chains. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's great that that show was in Cincinnati. Uh, I grew up in Indianapolis, uh, so we're, you know, not not too far in the grand scheme of things. When you're a kid, it seems super far, but as when you're yeah. an adult, you realize it's, it's really close. Now, I actually uh, not only saw that same show at Deer Creek Amphitheater in Noblesville, which is like a suburb of Indianapolis where I grew up. But <laughs> I think I've only, I think I've only told this story once on the podcast before, but my band at the time actually quote unquote opened for Metallica at that show. Whoa. And I put that, I put that in air quotes because <laughs> the uh, local promoter had like a local opener stage at that venue uh -huh. and, and the stage was basically you know it was nowhere near the actual stage it was like a little wooden platform that yeah. was somewhere on the walkway between where people would be coming into the venue and making their way to their seats and there was like a local warm-up slot where i don't know how often they did this or what other bands did it i had a relationship with some of the people in the promotion company because I worked as the assistant music editor at the weekly paper in town at the time. And somehow we got invited <laughs> to quote unquote play the show, you know, Metallica being my favorite band ever. And, uh, it was pretty exciting. What wasn't so exciting was my band at the time, which, which went on to be a, a full-time band and, and so on. But we were, yeah. we had just started in 1997. So this would have been 98. Uh -huh. We, we had five, maybe six songs and a cover, 
and we were a hardcore band, so each of those songs were probably two to three minutes long. <laughs> right on. And they wanted us to play for 90 minutes. Uh-oh. <laughs> As people Uh-oh. Were, were coming in. So we literally just played our little six or seven song set over and over and over until we <laughs> filled the 90 minutes. That's great. It worked out okay because people were actually just kind of walking by and then curiously checking out the loud noise from these yeah. dipshits and, uh, you know, and would watch a few <laughs> songs and then wander off. But it was also my first experience ever with people taking my picture because I was in a band and wanting autographs. And it was all, of course, totally ridiculous because we were, I don't know if we'd even left Indiana at that point. But that, that's awesome. You know, for you, for years after our, our, our band bio did, did include Metallica on the list of bands we'd opened for. <laughs> hey, that, that counts. That counts. If you if you are in a stone's throw, <laughs> that counts, man. We were in the same venue on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple of hours before. I think that's a really great era for you to have seen your first concert and to have seen Metallica for the first time because, you know, for all of the guff that they get about the 90s i think in particular in the late 90s they were just on fire there's some pro shot footage of their performance from woodstock 99 which is you know right around that time there was the short theater tour they did for garage inc where their set was all covers and they had a metallica tribute band as their opening act but right around that time they were gosh they were just so you know, they were probably at their most diverse point in terms of their catalog and the stuff they could play. And, you know, songs like Outlaw Torn and Bleeding Me, uh, you know, just to me. I love that song. Oh, yeah. Those are those are my two favorite load songs. And, 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 and I feel like those really added some dynamics. Even Fuel, which wasn't a song that I particularly loved, I grew to yeah. love in the live environment because it, you know, it's just dynamics in a set that really helps – Yep, the whole thing ebb and flow, and yeah, I just I just thought they were astounding in that uh, in that time period in particular. For all the time periods in their history that are rightly celebrated, I think that one's too often overlooked, even by some old school fans, because they just sounded so good. They were playing so well. They were they were still very aggressive. And then oh they yeah, would, you know they would do those acoustic encores, and I actually saw them New Year's Eve in detroit the 99 into y2k new year's oh, wow. eve and uh yeah also right around that same time there's some video of that just killer and also around that time you would get to see jason sing some old songs and that was always fun oh that is cool yeah i mean there's there's no denying their catalog their older catalog you know i remember when i first heard until it sleeps i was like whoa this kind of sounds a little different but i liked it you know I, he was I liked it when he was he was singing and, and, and you know, he had kind of like that deep kind of smooth voice mm-hmm. and, and some of those songs like, you know, Bleeding Me. And um, I remember I had this bootleg uh, CD. I, I bought it in New Jersey at the Jersey Shore. Uh, me and my family would go there every summer and I walked into this CD store and there was this Metallica CD. And it was like Oslo from uh, I want to say it was 96. And mm-hmm. man, I listened to that so much and and bleeding me was on i was like oh this is awesome but it was cool i I remember i tuned in they did this i want to say it was a christmas kind of radio thing with i don't know if it was on k-rock or whatever it was but 
there was a bunch of special guests and those like i think jerry cantrell's there mm-hmm. um john popper and i recorded it i listened and i recorded it. i was like oh this is so awesome they're just singing you know some of the covers you know they did tuesday's gone mm-hmm. and uh so i, I enjoyed that a, a lot i love hearing on hardwired i feel like there's a little bit of a return to those vocal harmonies and that style from the black album and and the in the 90s that you know melds really well with that kind of full circle you know thrash vibe that we get on hardwired i think it just makes for an amazing combination of you know kind of best of all worlds for them for sure do you remember you know, you, we, we talked about different riffs that you were learning when you were learning to play guitar and, and going to that first show when you're 18. What are some other things that kind of stand out in the, the formative years in regards to Metallica? Really just learning all that stuff. I, I remember me and a friend of mine that went to that concert with me, we would sit around and we would just jam on load songs constantly and then of course when reload came out it was the same kind of thing we used to i had this four track recorder and just for fun we'd sit there and try to re-record metallica songs i mean it's that's amazing i don't know where those tapes are but hopefully they're they're gone forever because we sounded like (laughs) we sounded like shit but it was it was it was really fun and um you know and and it's cool because you kind of get a sense of of um you know, they're, they're playing and just like where they were kind of thinking with certain riffs and, and why did they do this? You know, Oh, there's this cool vibe here. You know, it's just, it's just fun. It was kind of a way to kind of feel closer to the band and their musicianship, you know, by learning that stuff. So it was, it was a lot of fun, but also just, you know, I was the kid in high school that, had the Metallica shirt on and I was, I was the quiet kid that had the really large Metallica t-shirt, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. just kept to himself. That was me. <laughs> that was me like all throughout high school. Um, so I don't know where those t-shirts are. They're probably gone, but <laughs> lots of, lots of, lots of memories of Metallica. I used to get their, you know, every guitar world or every guitar player, that had Metallica on the cover, I was like, I had to have it. I was like, yes. Yeah. I was in that same boat for a long time. Uh, you know, it was actually Megadeth that was my entry into metal. That was my first concert that I went to and, you know, bought a ticket and went with friends. And first metal record that I had, real metal record, was Peace Cells. You know, that was my gateway to Metallica and all of these other great bands. And, and I was the same way. I, you know, a formative moment for me was buying a magazine called thrash metal magazine it was the first issue it had mustaine on the cover and you know i was just uh, fiending for knowledge and any information that i could get on this band and then subsequently yeah. on the whole scene and you know there happened to be an article in that issue called the top 20 thrash metal albums of all time which is hilarious to think about in one respect because thrash metal was still very much new and happening at the time this was like 1987 i think but on the flip side all of the classic thrash records had actually come out at that point (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it had a. That's it, funny. It had Rain and Blood. It had Master of Puppets, P Cells. You know, uh, there was a Destruction record on there, a Celtic Frost record. You know, the stuff that you would expect, I think, Among the Living might have been on there. I have to look up that list sometime because it was pretty cool. And years later, I actually, in journalist circles, became friends with the guy who wrote that article. Wow, that's awesome. Obviously, we're skipping way forward, but I want to ask you about Breaking Benjamin covering Sad But True. With, uh, how did that start, and what's that been all about? Well, the first Metallica cover we kind of messed around with was Through the Never. Nice. And that was, gosh, that's been a few years. Yeah, we, we, we learned that one. We played it live. Ben would sing it, and then eventually it, it parlayed into me singing it. And it's, uh, it was stressful, you know, cause gosh, I mean, I, I, I love that band. Cause you know, you want to do it justice, you know, mm -hmm. you want to, you want to honor them, you know? So that was definitely stressful. Um, and then, you know, we, we started incorporating, I guess a few years ago, this kind of rock medley with all kinds of different, you know, rock songs and stuff in there. You know, we do Pantera and, uh, Queen and, nirvana ben's a huge nirvana fan uh and then you know through metallica in there and we, it started with sad but true just kind of a quick little verse and last year we're playing san francisco and i'm thinking to myself man this is this is like you know this is their their hood mm -hmm. <laughs> this is metallica's place and i'm about to sing metallica in this you know arena or shed or whatever and i'm just like oh man like, I hope they don't see this, <laughs> you know, as, as, as much as I love them, I'm just, I just feel like they'd see some video maybe and just be like, who is this clown? <laughs> <laughs> now we do Inner Salmon. And when we played Cincinnati, like I go from watching Metallica on the lawn to singing Metallica on the stage. And it was yeah. just, it's just a crazy thought and a crazy feeling to, you know, to go through that, but. It's definitely, definitely cool. That is so cool. You know, it reminds me of, for all of the criticisms and, and punchlines that are associated with the band Nickelback, I know, I don't remember how long it's been, but a, a few years back there was a video that started making the rounds of them doing Sad But True. They play like half the song at some festival in Europe. And I remember, you know, metalheads sharing it and going like, oh, you know, I'm not really into Nickelback, but these guys can actually shred. Like, this Sad But True sounds super heavy coming from Nickelback. And I just, I love how uh, Metallica can be such a great unifier across various different uh, neighborhoods of rock and different subgenres and things, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, because you got, you got the, the, the thrash of the music, but. You know, obviously he's got his growl and his voice, but he really can just sing his ass off. And I've I've always been a fan of his voice and, um, you know how how he can manipulate it and do things with it. It's really it's really impressive. Now I know from talking with you before and from reading and seeing other interviews with you, we have a lot of overlaps in our personal taste. Obviously Metallica being a, a you know both of our favorite bands and. Also stuff like Alice in Chains and Stone Double Pilots and, and that kind of era of grunge. And then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've talked before about uh, Depeche Mode is, you know, Violator might be my favorite album of all time from anyone. You know, 80s stuff, that sort of era of pop. How do you feel all of those things inform one another and complement 
each other in what you do, both in the bands you've been in and, and with your solo work. And, and I ask that with the context that, you know, something I've come to understand in recent years is that every great band is really a combination of their influences, but combined in a way that no one's combined it before and put through the prism of that individual's life experience. So it's not as reductive to say, I mean, certainly there are some bands that are just clones of other bands and, and, and almost every band I've ever talked to says, I don't really think we sound like anybody else. It's hard to compare us. And I think, <laughs> that, I think that the truth is, is more in that sweet spot of, you know, uh, what got me thinking about this originally was a quote I saw from the frontman from him where he said, our band is really, you know, typo negative and you too. And it's like, well, wow, <laughs> no one had combined that before and no one had put it through his unique prism of his life experiences and his other influences. And, and that's why it sounds like something totally different, you know? So yeah. anyway, so I'm curious, you know, in, in your songwriting and, and particularly in your solo stuff, where do you... Metallica and Alice in Chains and Depeche Mode and the police all sort of butt up against each other. Well, I'm a child of the 80s. You know, I grew up listening to all that stuff, all, you know, the Tears for Fears, uh, Genesis, you know, Phil Collins. Um, I've always loved that stuff. And I, I love the, the, the big guitars of, of Metallica and Alice in Chains. So, you know, I, I want to say that I can I can see an influence in there. I I really don't know. A lot of it is almost kind of a subconscious thing. You don't really know that you are kind of you know sounding you know borrowing things when you know when you are. But um, that's a it's a really good question. I I really don't know. I don't think about it. I I try not to think about like man. I really I want to get this thing in here. I want I want this to sound like this. You know, you just like what you like. And some conscious, subconsciously, it kind of comes out. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there's bits and pieces you could identify that are, that someone else may not notice, you know, or may not, you know, I find a lot of bands, their working titles for songs are usually named after other bands. But if, you know, to the average person were to hear that song and know what the working title was, they may not see the connection the way that the person who wrote it does. You know what I mean? Because it's not like, you know, oh, we we nicknamed this song Smashing Pumpkins because of this one little flourish, <laughs> you know? Right. I found that that seems to be a pretty common experience. For sure. So having, you know, been in bands, going back to Copper and then... Uh, Adelita's way and then of course uh you know being with Breaking Benjamin ever since the sort of re remaking re relaunching of the band however we want to yeah. phrase it which has which has been a while now what are some of the strengths weaknesses advantages disadvantages you know the the differences between being in that band dynamic and all of the good and bad that comes with that and then doing your solo stuff and the good and bad that comes with that what are what are some different things you feel like you get from each that you wouldn't get from only doing one? Well, I would say probably the biggest difficulty is the time management. You know, we, we spend a lot of time out on tour. I spend a lot of time writing, recording with breaking band touring. So whatever off time I have, I, I try to squeeze in and work on solo stuff 
whenever I can. And it, it's tiring. I mean, obviously, there's there's nothing I'd rather be doing than playing music. I'm incredibly grateful for that. But um, it's hard. It's hard doing both. There's sometimes I'll come off tour and I'm just I don't even want to look at a guitar. Like I just want to like <laughs> grill out and just lounge around and mow the grass and not think about it. But I know that before before I know it, a month will go by and it's like, I don't have anything <laughs> done. I, I have to feel like productive, but that would probably be some of the negative stuff, but probably a good thing would be is I'm, I'm able to have a career with breaking Benjamin. I'm, and, and I'm able to have some of that off time allotted to be free to work on solo stuff which again i'm incredibly grateful for i don't have to worry about clocking in anywhere you know i have i have free reign and space to do with what i want with my time i guess the question is do i want to do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's really the the hard part but i've been trying to be more disciplined to really sit down and kind of force myself to kind of get to work yeah, but as somebody said to me recently, being your own boss means you can take off as many days as you want, but no one's paying you for your days off. <laughs> that's that's very true, and there isn't someone you know telling you, "Hey, you need to do this." You have you know you have to kind of decide, "I'm going to do this and make time for it." So that can be difficult. Yeah, I mentioned anniversaries: the anniversary of the Black Album, the anniversary of your first concert which was also your first Metallica concert. As we are recording this, we are a week away from the five-year anniversary to the day of Breaking Benjamin announcing the reformation and the new lineup and you as guitarist and backing vocalist. You probably didn't realize that was coming up, but that's we were you're a week away. Wow, that's, that's crazy, man. Good job. <laughs> Good job finding that one. I do my homework. Dang. Yeah, you do. Gosh, five years. I, it it really doesn't seem like it's been that long. Um, I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. I mean, we all really love each other and really support each other. Ben's been so supportive of of all my solo efforts, and so that's been super cool. It, that's just crazy. Five years. Here's to another. Here's to another twenty more or however long until <laughs> we're until <laughs> we're all too old enough to get out and do it. Talk to me about your upcoming solo stuff what's uh what's going on with all of that and what how is how is the music you're making just as keith evolved from the last time we heard from you going into what you're working on now i've been trying to kind of release singles um every two to three months just with this the the streaming world and how things are now I, i feel like it's kind of harder to kind of have an album and have it i don't know just kind of hang around there's so much stuff coming out every day yeah i feel like you know putting it putting out a single and then putting out a single it's kind of i'm staying in the eye a little bit more kind of i don't know it's hard to explain i i don't know i i feel like it just kind of keeps me uh, valid i don't know I don't know. I feel because like like if I put on an album, I feel like it's out and it's like, boom, it's done. And then it's like, okay, people lose interest. 
Whereas if I put out a single now, you know, okay, there's a single, then it, like later on another single comes out. Oh, he's just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of staying around a little bit longer in my mind. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that one, but I do want to eventually have uh, either a series of EPs or, or a full length album uh, come out in the, sometime in the future. Uh, again, it's just whatever I can make time for. But I'm really excited. I'm really excited about it. I, I love putting out new music. It's a, it's an exciting thing for me, and all the feedback that that you know, Breaking Benjamin fans and and just fans of me alike is just it's been really positive. So it keeps me going for sure. When you sort of collect those singles into a a longer release, is that I would imagine there's some kind of journey represented there, right? Like you've been on this path from point A to wherever it's eventually headed artistically. Do you, do you, what kind of evolution do you hear in that stuff? It's definitely kind of a time stamp. Every, every single I put out, I, I, I remember kind of what I was thinking, what I was, what I was going for. And I'm, I try not to, to think too much about, um, you know, what, what kind of song I want or, you know, what kind of sound or, music style I, I i like the fact that it's kind of across the board and you know some of the songs i've put out solo they're way different than breaking ben and i like that I, I like the fact that you know i'm free to kind of do something different i'm not put in a box per se but with that said you know i i love rock i i may put out just more heavier stuff more rock sounding stuff on on solo stuff or it might be more, you know, piano stuff or poppy stuff. I like just not having rules. It's kind of like whatever I'm I'm feeling at the time and just go for it. You know, at some point you'll have a catalog of your own to look back on. And like you said, with those snapshots, you can kind of remember, you know, where you were and what was happening and, and what you were looking to express at that time. For sure. Yeah, and I throw in a couple covers here and there. Like the last one, I the last song I released was a cover of Roxette, uh, "The Look." <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of, I kind of took some liberties there. It sounds nothing like them, um, which I, I, I liked. I enjoyed that that whole process. I, I saw, I just saw it as a challenge. I was like, surely I can do something with this. Make kind of a dark, kind of acoustic thing with it. Um. But I've always wanted to, to cover that song. I just hadn't quite figured out how I wanted to do it. But eventually it just came. I was like, all right, this is it. Knowing that you've done uh, a fair amount of co-writes, uh, you know, something a lot of rock guitar players aspire to do and say they want to do, but don't actually ever really get around to it or have the <laughs> or seem to have the means to. You've been fairly successful and prolific with it. Uh, I'm curious what that process is like, you know, when you hook up with somebody to write to, well, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm, you know, I would imagine some of it's collaborative. Some of it is, here's a song that you wrote that you think might work for someone else that you've already kind of put together top to bottom. What, what are the different ways that usually goes down? Yeah. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes I'll have a song that, um, you know, I, I, I catch wind through the grapevine that, Hey, this band's looking for a song or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I got maybe something that could work. You know, sometimes things need to be kind of changed around and, and, um, 
you know, f- a little more, you know, fitted for them. Honestly, I just, I love writing songs. It's, it's, it's really a, another, another way to get that high to me, other than just playing shows and performing. I, I love just having nothing and, you know, whether it be just by myself or with, with somebody else or, you know, a, a, through a collaborative effort, creating something new, brand new, that's, that's just didn't exist. I love that. I, I love that whole aspect of it. But whenever I'm, I'm writing with an, another artist, it really is a, a, a fun experience just to kind of hear where they're coming from and their songwriting technique. It's, it's a learning experience. I kind of learn how they do it and, you know, I have a certain way of doing it. And there's really, there's really no rules. Just kind of follow your heart and just kind of go with what you think sounds cool and, you know, makes the other person pumped up about what we're doing and, and vice versa. What are some of your go-to riffs that you find yourself warming up with now if you're putting on your guitar and Metallica riffs are coming out of your fingers? What are, what are, the, what are the most common? Gosh, honestly, I feel like I've forgotten so much of that stuff. Every once in a while, you know, I'll I'll try to play something. I, I emphasis on try because uh, I'm just like, wait, how did I play that? How did I used to play that? I feel like everything in my brain right now is all Breaking Benjamin riffs and Breaking Benjamin stuff. It's all it's all replaced all the other noodling stuff that I <laughs> used to play back in the day. Yeah, which which is which is good because you know I I have to, but bad because you know someone was like, hey, you know how to play this? Like at one point I did, but now no, maybe maybe give me a few minutes I can try to suss it out. Gosh, what is what is the last thing I try to play? Uh, Joe, it's a Joe Walsh song. Life life's been good. That's it. Life's been good. For some reason, I always start playing that. I don't know why. I <laughs> just like the twanginess of it. Let's do favorite Metallica record, and then let's do uh, top five songs. Favorite Metallica record. I know, let me preface this with, I know that it's the most commercially popular. Lots of people think that they maybe went too poppy and sold out and blah, 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 all that stuff. But I got to go with Black Album. I mean, to me, to me that one just it just sang to me I, I i just love it and the production is great songwriting is great performances are great it's just great so i have to say that but that's my favorite album and i mean plus that's the one that kind of got me into it and got me started so you know it's got, got some sentimental value there uh top five songs gosh i'd say that is ever-changing I remember back in the day when, when Load was out, I really, you know, I really loved Mama Said. Me and my friend used to always play that on acoustics. And Wow. That that one has not come up on the podcast before. I back it. I love that song. Yeah. And, and it had that kind of country twang in it with the, the B-bender. Or he had that little, you know, guitar part in there. I was like, man, that's so cool. So I'll throw that one on there. It's almost like a Hetfield solo song in a sense. Dude, totally. Totally. It's, it's, just, it's just cool. And his, his voice sounds great, too. It's so funny because, like, I, I would always, you know, I, I mentioned my dad was a singer back in the day. And I'd always let him hear some of the stuff I was listening to. And, and I always tried to let him hear stuff where the singer was actually singing. Was, and it wasn't just a bunch of 
screaming or whatever because I knew that he wouldn't appreciate that. But I'd always be like, hey, check this out. You know, say, see, look, Dad, he can really sing. See, I'm listening to cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like one of those songs. Let's see. What else? What else? Gosh, there's so many. Okay. I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Orion. Ooh, very nice. I just love all the guitar stuff in there. It's just it's it's a mood for sure. Hmm. Master of Puppets. That's like the quintessential one to me. Yeah. If aliens arrive from another planet and say, what is Metallica? That's the song you play them. Yep. Yep. That one's, I know that one's kind of like probably the go-to for a lot of people. But it incorporates a lot of different parts of what they do all in one song. Absolutely. It, it captures them for sure. Uh, let's see here. Gosh, I guess I'll, I'll say uh, Inner Sandman. You know, obviously I've heard it a million times and it's just, it's, you know, a staple throughout rock radio and pop culture and all that stuff. When you think about that, just that huge metal song, thrash, you know, hit rock radio song. But, you know, if you can go back to the first time you heard that song, you know, that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm like, that song's great. Just like, Yes. So yeah, Enter Sandman. Let's see what my last one. This is tough, dude. This is like, what's your favorite movie? Like, what's your favorite movie? You know, yeah. there's so many great movies. Hmm. I'd say Fade to Black. Which you know, all the times that people talk about Metallica selling out. Well, that was that was their first ballad on the second album, and people that are much older than you and I, who loved Kill 'Em All, were complaining that they were sellouts on Ride the Lightning. So. <laughs> Worrying about that is a, a whole bunch of nothing. I know. You can't please everybody. You know, there's there's always going to be somebody that has a problem with something. Yep. So <laughs> That's what's great about the band. One of the many things that's great is they, they, they please themselves first, and then whoever connects with what they're doing and wants to come along for the ride, great. And it just so happens that that's been millions and millions of people. <laughs> but oh, I yeah. never get the sense that they are steering the ship uh, in the direction of uh, expectations from old fans, new fans, uh, you know, radio, MTV, whatever it is. They're, they're aware of, of culture and, tra and trends and shifting things and context of the landscape when they're releasing things, but they're not, they're, you know, they're certainly, if they were trying to sell out, they probably wouldn't have waited four albums to make a music video. Take Nickelback, like you were saying earlier, it's like, yeah, they, they, hear that stuff all the time but dude they're huge and they're a good band you know you can't take that away i mean they're they're doing something that's connecting with people uh, for me it's it, it it's about intention and it's like you know art is if you're doing it because you mean it and you believe in it and you have something to say whether that's personally emotionally politically whatever um yeah then i can respect it you know there's and there's even some stuff out there that is done a hundred percent for commercial means that has a certain art to it. But by and yep. large, it's, you know, it's authenticity that I connect with and respect. And that's probably a big part of why Metallica is such a huge thing for me because uh, they are authentic in spades. Absolutely. That's part of the journey, right? Continuously challenging yourself. It is. Always nice catching up with you. Dude, thanks for having me, man. It's uh it was really fun. And 
you know, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, and uh, like I said, I actually had you on my wish list. I I knew I actually didn't know about Through the Never. I knew about Sad But True, and I'd seen you talk about Metallica in a couple different spots. But uh, yeah, I didn't realize it was your first concert, and you know, a lot of a lot of cool things discovered here. So, you know, you mentioned playing in San Francisco, and you're like, oh man, what if one of those guys is here? Obviously, uh, you know, I know Breaking Benjamin is a, a very successful rock band that performs at a lot of these festivals and so on, um, bound to cross paths with Metallica eventually. <laughs> Dude, I, I think about that. I think about that sometimes. You know, we've we've played with some, you know, really, really big artists and, and bands that I've just, you know, listened to for a long time. And I'm scared of that, to be honest. I'm scared that Metallica will actually you know, we'll be at a festival or something. And I'm just like, man, there's, there's James, like walking down the hallway. What do I do? Like, I just don't know if I would have the guts to, to go up and be like, you know, just like everybody else, just, Hey man, I'm a huge fan, blah, 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 blah. I just, plus, you know, you never know. You might catch somebody on a bad day, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. You're like, and then everything, you know, your whole vision and everything's ruined. So I'm, I'm almost just thinking I might just leave it be. And I just don't know though. I, I was thinking that way with, with Zach Wild too. We played this cruise and Zach Wild was playing, mm-hmm. and, and, and it was, it was actually my birthday. Wow. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know what? It's my birthday. Like we're on this cruise. What are the chances? I've never, you know been in eye contact with him and I did I went up to him and like my wife was with me and you know I introduced myself and I introduced her and he couldn't have been cooler and just more of a gentleman and so that was really rad so I don't know I don't know what I'll do if the if the chance came about I'll just I'll just decide then and there play it by ear ideally if someone really cool introduced me to him and it was like that kind of thing that would be way cooler, but I don't know how. That yeah, then you, yeah, then you get the cosign. <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> I'm not just just a rando coming up and being like, "Hey, dude." <laughs> well, if and when that happens, I'll have to have you back on to talk about it. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Well, killer. Well, Keith, uh, don't be a stranger. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Take care. I'll uh, I'll chat with you soon. You too, man. Looking forward to it, bud. Thanks right. again. Thanks, Keith.